We are looking this morning in Hebrews chapter number 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I pray that you're wide awake today. Sometimes the music, I can tell they've had a lot of caffeine. Sometimes they haven't. And that's same with same with the congregation. Hope you're wide awake today. Hebrews chapter 4. If you're a visitor, don't get your feelings hurt. That's just... My attempt at humor, okay, but sort of. A lot of truth in a jest, you know. Let us therefore fear. Is that what your Bible says? Just so that we are perfectly clear. He's not talking about traumatic, knee-shaking fear. He's talking about deep reverence. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. There's another scripture that destroys, defies, denies, denotes, once saved, always saved. Because this is an epistle written to people, believers, already born again of water and of the Spirit. And he says, be careful. That you don't come up short. Verse 2, please. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. One more time. Let's read that verse out loud. Let me just survey real quick here and scan. Yeah, he's still mad at me. For unto us, read with me, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Going to preach today how to preach and accomplish nothing. It's my title, how to preach and accomplish nothing. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. How to preach and accomplish nothing. Bless your name, God, today. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your understanding, for your loving kindness that's better than life. Thank you, God, for your hope, for the joy of the Lord that is our peace, that is our strength. Bless and strengthen every hand, encourage every heart, help me to do this your way, not my own, God. We give you all the praise, Jesus' holy name. Look at somebody and say, how to preach and accomplish nothing. All right, God bless you. You may be seated. We have to admit, Brother Playl, Brother Stacy, would you join us up here, sir, please? Appreciate your ministry, really do. Unless you're engaged in something and they need you out there. Okay. I have to admit, and so will honest hearts up here, that we are not in control of the outcome of any preaching or teaching we do. Once you do God's will and obey God's voice, it's up to the hearer to make some prosperity occur in what they've heard, right? You can walk right out of here and say that was the most boring thing I've ever heard in my life if you are not connected, at least attempting to be connected, to the voice of God. I promise you this, this is a guarded place, Brother Playle, isn't it? I don't put anybody up here. I, we talk, we concur, we or confer, we powwow. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't own anything, but I am guardian of what is said and what is done up here. And I know that it's only so much we can do and we're responsible for it. I understand that. But that doesn't let us off the hook because sometimes we excuse ourselves saying, I did my best, when maybe only God knows if we really did our best. But knowing we're not in control of the outcome or the results of what we've attempted to do, In Christian service, it's very common to hear people make this statement. Now, when it's made in sincerity, it's real, it's honest, it's good, it's it's what it is. It is what it is. 
But we hear this said often, Brother Dave, that only eternity will reveal the good that can come from what we attempted to do today. When said in sincerity, that's very true. But sometimes it becomes a cop-out for giving less than our best effort or for praying as much as we should have before we deliver the word of the Lord. Can I get an amen from you guys up here? Only eternity will tell, and more often than not, that is true. But seeds that we planted, uh, they, they grow up and may come to fruition at a time we don't even know. We can't plan on it. You might see someone prosper in an area you taught about 10 years ago. And not that we're looking to take credit. That's not the point. But one plants, Paul said, another waters, Paul said, and God gives the increase. So the planting might occur today. The watering might occur over the next couple of years. And the full fruition or prosperity of God's plan might come to pass years down the road. We know that. We absolutely give you that, anyone that. That's just the way the process works. But brother and sister, I, I say this with all the respect I can muster. Um, you don't hurry up and go to bed tonight so that you can hurry up and get up in the morning and hurry up and get dressed and hurry up and go off to work and hurry up and work till lunchtime and hurry up and get your job done by 5 o'clock so you can hurry up and go home, so you can hurry up and eat dinner. You don't go through all of that so that you can accomplish nothing. There's a reason you work so hard. There's a reason you're so diligent. There's a reason you try to be honest in your efforts to work and to be a solid citizen of the community. I firmly believe, Brother Pleo, and I'm not just being political here. I believe this. This is Bible. That if a man pays you an honest day's wage, a woman pays you an honest day's wage, you ought to give them an honest day's labor. If, if you took the job for $9 an hour and you find out the next person got $10 an hour, you have got no right to go over in that corner and pout. I mean, justice will be served eventually, and you, you have a right to speak your mind. But if you said, I'll take the job at $9 an hour, do your work. Amen. Do it faithfully. But we don't have complete control, or almost any control, I should say, over the outcome. You don't. You don't get up and do all that stuff, though, when you'd rather sleep and you got a migraine and you're, you've been throwing up all night, but you know if you call in sick today, your paycheck's going to be short and those kids got to be fed and that rent's got to be paid. Yeah. You know that, and you go through all of that extra output or putting out so that you can accomplish something. I may not see all you accomplish, but you know deep inside of your head and heart you're trying to get some results out of all that you do. Amen. I'm talking today about how to preach and accomplish nothing. And I'm quite sure there, are, there is the element among us every time we assemble that disqualify or discredit me for being able to address such an issue because you don't think ministries work. Well, whatever, whatever. I just smile and wink at the ignorance, okay? It's more work than you give it credit for, all right? The, it's, not, it's not brick laying and concrete pouring and tree cutting. I know that. But there's days I'd pray, God, I wish, wish I could go back to the grocery business for a while. Anyway, anyway, you don't go through all that you do just so you can come home and have spend, been spinning your wheels all day long. But there is a movement not only in the world, not only in the United States, not only in the state of Alaska, but in our city, in our valley, in our community. It's everywhere. And perhaps you are more 
knowledgeable of it than I am, depending on where you've been in life, church life, but it's called the seeker-sensitive movement. I want to I just throw out a few quotes for you, and then I'm going to preach today, continue on about how to preach and accomplish nothing. The seeker-sensitive movement. It's absolutely redefining what we're trying to accomplish, at least if you buy into their desire. It's trying to redefine what we're trying to accomplish. They're telling us, Brother Larry, that in circles that I run in and I walk in, we've had the wrong goals all along. They say you're not contented with what you've accomplished because your goals have been, you've been misinformed about your goals. To quote one major Christian magazine, several quotes here, all right? I'm just getting started. This SSM, seeker-sensitive movement, they say the churches that are buying into that are very vogue. They are the going thing now. And I'm still quoting. They say, with pastors that have bought in, are riding an unparalleled wave of popularity, unquote. Basically, this is Ron Herring here, the seeker-sensitive movement is trying to make the church experience as comfortable as possible for attendees. As comfortable as possible for attendees. Oh, it's going to get a lot quieter than this. All right, don't worry about it. But they use catchphrases like non-threatening church. They use catchphrases like doing church. They use phrases like uh, the new normal of how you do church. Brother, it's everywhere. It's down the street. It's across the valley. It's in every city, every community, every borough, every district. Again, I quote, theatrics, theatrics, are you awake today? Theatrics and entertainment are the norm in our services, not our here. I'm quoting them. Theatrics and entertainment are the norm in our services to keep the visitor from getting bored. Know how to juggle. Give me some, Josh told me, he preached somewhere in Southern California Friday night at a big youth conference and he tag team preached with another young guy and he said, Dad, I'm not kidding you, this is one of our churches, Dad. He said, when we walked up, they introduced the speakers, he said, they had smoke coming out of these machines on the platform. I said, well, and what did you do? And he said, I told him, whoever's in charge of that smoke needs to turn that off right now. This is not a show and some theatrical presentation. I said, you better have said that, praise God. It's the theatrics and entertainment that are the norm in our services, they say, to keep the visitor from getting bored. My friend, brother, and sister, there is no telling the evil ends of what they would do to men like Paul and Elijah and Jesus Christ. In John 6, Brother Paul, Jesus offended so many people, they left him. And in the Greek, John chapter 6, it says with eternal reference, they left and never came back. All because he said, unless you eat my, blood, my flesh and drink my blood. They didn't get it. He wasn't talking about this. And they got offended at him. No smoke machines. No lights. No strobe light. This is not in my notes, but I'll give it to you anyway. And a good friend of mine pastored, Brother Mark, a, a church. He and I started, kind of started in this charismatic church years ago. I went and I got the Holy Ghost there. My wife got the Holy Ghost there. And God led us to more truth, thank the Lord. I'm not, I'm not putting anybody down, but my friend who was the drummer then broke out and started his own congregation. I went to see Bernard years later, a couple years later, and he was off international. And anyway, uh, I made an appointment. He wanted to have lunch, so I made an appointment to come in, blah, blah, blah. And his secretary greeted me at, at the, in the front open area there, the entry area, and uh, who are you, blah, blah, blah. And while he was 
in a counseling session, I got to talking to this secretary, and I was telling her about the, the precious value of truth in Jesus' name, baptism, and repentance, infilling of the Holy Ghost. And she said, do you have service on such and such a night, whatever it was, I forget. And I said, I said no, ma'am, we don't. She said, you ought to come at attend Pastor Bernard's midweek service or Friday night meeting, whatever it is. I said, well, okay, what's so great about it? She said, oh, she said, she said, we take all the pews. They, she said pews then. This was 20 years ago. We take all the pews out of the sanctuary, and we have strobe lights that we drop down from the ceiling. And she said, we have a Christian dance. I said, say that all again to me. God is my witness, Brother Anthony. She said, oh, we'll drive that religious devil right out of you, Ron. At the time, Brother Ricky had 400 parishioners in his congregation. Not even a church anymore. Buttoned up, closed the doors, locked the door, gone. I don't know where he's at. But my point is, I'm, I'm not trying to cast stones. I'm just saying that it's a powerful movement going on that if we can entertain people, we'll retain them. We'll get them back because it's all about touching the sensations of, a human, of the human mind, right? They, they would absolutely condemn Jesus Christ preaching in our pulpit in such congregations. He didn't come to tickle their ear, to be political with them and rub shoulders with them. He came to tell them, except you're born again of the water and of the Spirit, you will never enter the kingdom of God. As a matter of fact, in Acts 7.57, please, Sister Plough, there, there was this upstart. Nobody even knew who Stephen was. But he preached with such authority and such anointing that the Bible said when they preached, they stopped their ears. They couldn't resist the wisdom with which he spake, and they stopped their ears. I'm talking about how to preach and accomplish nothing. Where in the world, where in the scriptures should I say, are we ever allowed to trifle with the holy contents of the word of God? They say, and I quote again, our sermons are focused on self-improvement and positive self-esteem, unquote. They say, and I quote, that preaching Jesus, you got to hear this, Brother Tim. I just, I had to turn my phone off. God knows I'm telling you the truth. And go back and just check the quotes and make sure they're reliable and verifiable. They say in the seeker-sensitive movement churches that preaching Jesus, preaching Jesus as the only way to heaven is divisive and out of date. I'm not talking about some mosque, some mausoleum. I'm talking about supposed Christ-centered churches. That preaching Jesus as the exclusive, the only way to heaven is divisive. You know what that word means? It divides the real church. Unquote. How to preach and accomplish nothing. So when people tell me, oh, it's going to get quiet in here this morning. When people tell me, I've been praying for so-and-so for so long, and they're going over here. At least they're going to church. I don't get the same rise in my emotions that many of you do. Oh, oh. Because sometimes Jesus called it like it was, and he said, the blind lead the blind, and both fall into the ditch. Well, I need some Red Bull or something now. This is me here again, not quoting right now. This is me. But rarely are sin, repentance, or hell ever spoken of. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 25. I know that he's talking about the gifts, but he's talking about the, the, the word that goes on in the midst of a congregational gathering. He said, my words, that preaching and the word of God will deal with the secrets of the heart of men. And it will cause men to fall on their faces in worship. Yeah. 
Preaching isn't supposed to make us feel warm and cuddly. And there's a lot of good things that encourage my heart, Brother Paul, Brother Ken. It makes me feel like, all right, yeah, I know that. It's not all supposed to be just, you know, heart-pounding drama. But there's times that the Word of God comes forth and we are smitten with conviction. Because my life is falling short of the place where God has asked me to go or to be. We say that the church is a hospital for souls, and that's true. But I'm going to tell you something. You go to the hospital, sometimes they have, to, they have to give you a little pain. Sister Kristen Newman, are you in here? Yeah, sorry. Best place to hide something is right under my nose. But I remember going to the ER that night with you and Brother Nate. And Braden, how was he? Just a couple of months old. And I, I was coming out of my skin. I could only imagine how mom and dad felt. And they kept trying to find a vein to get an IV started, if that was right. And I don't know how many times that lady, she was probably nervous. Twelve? I was about ready to say, get out of the way, lady. Let me take over this job. That poor child was just screaming in pain. Sometimes there's pain in the hospitals. Before the healing process can be, I think that was unmerited and undeserving. But I'm just saying that sometimes it almost seems like you have to go backwards a little bit. I got to stay focused. I got to stay focused here. How to preach and accomplish nothing. Paul said preaching will deal with the secrets of men's hearts. How many times do you hear someone say, I've been praying about that very thing. Yeah. Only God knows I've been dealing with that very issue in my life. Yeah. There's no way you could have known. But what, what God is doing, God is turning the soil over of the soul. You should, never, you should never allow yourself the privilege of running away from God when that uprooting is going on internally. God is telling you, I'm trying to make you better. It might be a little painful right now. But when you feel that soil of your soul turning over, I, I, my advice, get to the altar, man. Rush to the altar. Let God, let God, let God do his surgery. Seeker sensitive movement. I didn't just make this up. It's been going on a lot longer than probably sounds like my expression of it today, but it's very much in fashion today. They build churches according to demographic studies and community data. That's not about right. That's exactly right. They portray God as this great big cosmic genie. And if you stroke him just right, if you rub everything just right, he'll give you anything you want. I'm telling somebody truth today, brother. It matters where you go to church. It matters where you, where you feed your soul. Are you saying you're the only one doing it right? No, because I don't think we've got it right half the time. That's not true, but I, I appreciate effort and people. God is not something that we can take out and put away. Bottom line, Brother Dave Noiner, is that these types of individuals, they congregate and call it church, but they're all man-centered and not Jesus Christ-centered. Because the best guitar player is who we want up here. The best keyboard artist is who we want up here because we want everybody to feel warm and comfortable and feel like it's not threatening to them. We want them to have a good experience. And, and that sounds on the surface honorable. But you have, to, you have to literally mark out some pages in your Bible. If that's all there is to your relationship with God and preaching. Talking about how to preach and accomplish nothing. I'm like you. If you think I can just get up and put stuff to, you know, and just start talking, I want you to preach next Sunday, all right? 
You get up here. Oh, you just get up there and talk. One thing that annoys me bad on the radio, I don't listen to much of anything, but once in a while I'll just turn on noise, talk sports or something like that. And what annoys me more than anything, pet peeve, all right, is the announcer that every third word, uh. uh. And then he, uh, threw that touchdown, uh. I can't stand it. How do I get on these dumb things anyway? If, if you think it's just a matter of getting up there and talking, you preach next Sunday, Tommy. How to preach and accomplish nothing. I'm like you, though. I don't get up and do what I do, pray and study and research and dig and compare and cross-reference and parallel study just so that we can go home and accomplish nothing. Uh, looking, for, looking for even small incremental changes, not just in this church but in myself. Hmm. Here we go. Now I'm going I'm to just bring this down. I'm going to focus this. Not closing. I'm just going to focus the, narrow the focus. How to preach and accomplish nothing. If you want it to bring forth fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold, if we do our job, there's a lot of it that's in your hands to do. 1 Corinthians 1.21, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Believing is your part. I mean, you have every right. You have every right to get in that book and make sure I'm telling you as I say it, it is, like as it is. You have every right. Why would you not? But if you see that we are attempting and we are, for the most part, succeeding. Most part, I said. Then there's got to be some confidence conveyed between you and I. Some belief between you and I. Once you see it's in the book, the believing part becomes yours. I'm preaching, you got to believe the word. If, if salvation is going to come in the fruition of fullness... You've got to believe what's being preached. And to believe it, you've got to act upon it. Now you look at it for yourself. To save them that believe. They already believe, but it takes preaching mixed with believing. How about Hebrews 4.2? We looked at that for a text already. He said, the word preached did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. Talking about your responsibility now. Or if he's preaching, it becomes my responsibility. i got to have some faith in what I'm hearing. And brothers, I, I, know, I know you get this. I know you get this. We're going we're gonna to get into this momentarily a little, more, a little deeper. But it's, it's our responsibility to feed the sheep. You're a sheep right now, and I'm trying to feed you. And when you're up there, we're sheep, and you're feeding us. I never raised a sheep in my life. Anybody raise sheep? I'm pretty sure you can't give them dog chow. Maybe you can. I don't know. But I know there's, there's feed, right, designed for horses? Yes. Will a horse eat kitten chow? Yeah. I'm the wrong person to ask. All right, you know what I'm trying to say here. You hope that there's some science goes into the, into the evolving of that feed. And they, they make horse, whatever they do, grain. What? Feed, okay. Let me stay where I know what I'm talking about here, all right? But you can't get up and feed sheep stuff that the sheep don't get or comprehend. You can't talk in language they don't get. You can't speak, you know, preacher speak because they leave here going, he preached, but I didn't get anything. How to preach and do absolutely nothing. 
how to preach and help nobody. God forbid. Go to your job. You want to see some results of your hard labor. You don't want to go home at night saying, I'm tired, but I didn't get anything accomplished. Not being mixed with faith and then that heard it. The faith is your job today, brothers. There's got to be some release between you and the pulpit. You're not going to hear this everywhere you go, but there's got to be some interaction between your heart and what I'm preaching today. There's got to be some connection between your ears, your soul, and what we're preaching. And I think it's Mark 7, 13, where Jesus said that tradition can render the word of God of no effect. So we've got to make sure that if there's anything log jamming my soul, I've always done it this way. Well, it may not be the right way to do it. Tradition. Some traditions are good. That's what Jeremiah chapter 6 is all about. The tradition of the elders, the godly men. Holding fast the old things, the old ways. But this tradition here is things that are just nonsense. They, they don't matter. They don't accomplish anything. They're just in our life because they've always been there. It can render the powerful preach word of God a completely meaningless. Accomplish zero. So we see that belief and faith has got to happen between you and the preach word of God. Are you with me today? All right, we're going to get real specific here. Going to get real specific. How to preach and accomplish nothing. How to preach and accomplish nothing. Hallelujah. I thought about this from every angle I could. But I, I'd have you here all day long if I went through everything. But I narrowed it down to four absolutely home runs, direct, need no interpretation. We understand in the moment we think about it, four ways. And I'm going to count down from four to one to preach and accomplish nothing. People to leave thinking, man, their mind. What a, what, a, what a mess to think that I could have done a better job at my, at my ministry. And someone's got their mind on the basketball game over here. And they got their mind on the sale at Safeway over here. When I do believe that if we'd have just focused in prayer, maybe I could have reached that one. Now, I'm not, I'm not able to control all outcome. I know that. But I do believe when we stand before God, we're going to be surprised maybe at how much we did have control. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. I'm not saying everything, but just four ways, four ways, surefire ways that we can preach. You can teach a Bible study. You can try to raise your kids. You can try to have a consecrated home. Four ways, I guarantee you, you'll walk away saying, I accomplished zero. And they stand as a warning to ministers, to moms, to dads, to Sunday school teachers. Four ways. Number four. You guys ready for this? Number four is be fake or pretentious. Be fake or pretentious. And I guarantee you, you will accomplish nothing. Be fake or pretentious. That's the reason I don't, I don't, own, I don't own a television, don't want one. But, but way back with the Larry, when God began to deal with me, I'm talking, I wasn't even saved yet. But there was stuff going on in my heart. I couldn't identify it. I just know that for some reason, I'd turn those rated television preachers on. And even before, even before I had any spiritual insight at all, something said, huh? My heart's telling me there's got to be something deeper than that. There's got to be something more real than that. I mean, God, if God, I'm thinking these thoughts in my head, Brother Larry, back then. You know, if God can't do anything and everything and all things, 
I don't need this deadbeat up here acting like he cares about me. One way for sure to preach, to teach, to father, to mother, to mentor, to guide, and accomplish nothing is be fake and phony about it. Act like you care when you really don't care. You know who realizes you don't care when you're that way? People you're trying to convince you care. Guarantee, Brother Justin Sonatag, number four, every time it will work. Be fake, be phony, be a pretentious actor, and you'll get nowhere in your ministry. Hey, actors belong on the drama team, not in the pulpit. Well, I know I'm in God's will. You don't know it, but I do. <laughs> Brother, you can fake a lot of things, but you cannot fake a calling. I love Hebrews chapter 5, verse 4. The writer said, And no man takes this honor unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. You can't say, I'm called, and fake it. Because sooner or later, that's a container with holes in it. And the water starts leaking out. I'm called. Well, time will tell. Time will certainly tell. Someone said, well, just fake it till you make it. Not in the pulpit, you shouldn't. Not teaching Bible studies over your coffee table to, to a soul that's lost and going to hell. You shouldn't be faking anything. You may not know everything, but what's wrong with being honest? I don't know the answers to all of that, but I know I want to get you to heaven, praise God. And you better not be fake to those sons looking, looking at you like you are the greatest thing since Marco Polo. Those daughters will figure out real quick. He says one thing here and he does another thing there. Ooh, hello, hallelujah. You can't be fake or pretentious. Some of us are better at hiding, not us, I should, let me exclude myself. Some of you are better at hiding bad days. Bad moments, whatever you want to call it, than I am. Some of you are really good at hiding that kind of thing. Then others are still struggling. But you can't fake a calling. You can't fake a genuine calling. Talking about how to preach and accomplish nothing. Number one, be fake, phony, or pretentious. One thing for sure, this congregation of believers here today, of sheep for the most part, they figure it out at moment, the moment, the moment you start to talk. I used to have a pastor years ago, good man, good man. If anybody was like Moses in this one regard, it was him. Uh, when Moses said to God, I can't speak. Moses wasn't lying. I've heard old preachers get to say, he's a liar. He was trained in, and educated in Egypt. He was a man of eloquence and honor. He was all that. But I'm going to tell you something. When you're standing before the chamber of commerce, it's different than when you get behind the pulpit of God's house, in God's house. Anybody can learn laws, civil legislation, rules, and conduct. But brother, when you stand up and realize, man, these, these people, their souls are in my hands right now. Moses was telling the truth like, man, I get all, I get all flustered. can't fake a calling. Number three, number four, you can't accomplish anything if you're fake, phony, or pretentious. Number three, how to accomplish nothing when you preach is preach to enter seeker-sensitive movement, preach to entertain or be popular. Preach to entertain or be popular. If there's one thing that has disconnected me from the political circles of any organization or movement, it is this thing right here. Because 
there is such a move to be popular and known. It makes me want to just barf. Oh, we laugh and chuckle, but there's a, it's even in here sometimes. Have you preached for so-and-so? You don't know so-and-so. Don't bother me. You're like a fly annoying me right now. Not you. Someone with that type of attitude, you know. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm just going to set the record straight, and I hope I don't have to deal with this again, about um, the message Brother Josh preached. And, and you got to understand his platform from, which, from where he comes. He travels all over. I don't. I don't want to travel. I hate traveling. Right? I like my bed at night. I like my office every day. But anyway. Yeah, we, we have to think big. I know that. We have to pray for Israel. I'm, I'm all about that. So don't think I'm contradicting anything. But my, my vision has not changed one hairbreadth. God called me to pastor in Palmer, Alaska. I am putting, I, and I am going to put 100% of my effort right here. I care about souls. If God sends me to Timbuktu tomorrow, I'm going to try to give it my best. But while I'm here, I don't want anybody accusing me of having outside interest, of thinking of another field, a larger field of endeavor. That's just not me. And I'm not apologizing for that, okay? I'm not saying one's right and one is wrong. I'm just telling you how, why I'm here. Well, the way I feel. So number three, number three, the way to preach and accomplish nothing is try to preach to entertain or be popular. That's what's going on in a lot of these, not every church, but anybody that's given themselves over to this seeker-sensitive movement. Oh, the psychology will blow your mind. I don't even want to go there. But they, they get into this, so tell me who's seeking God when your church doors are open. Is the sinner walking off the street? This was said to me personally. Or is the saint seeking God? Where is your level of direction? Where are you, where, where's the stimuli for your music and your word? Just get out of here, would you? If you preach to entertain or be popular, then you have lost the presence of God in your ministry. Jesus said it. I quoted it Wednesday night, Brother Dave, Mark 16, 20. That they went everywhere preaching. Brother, if there was an open door, they went and preached. And the Lord worked with them. That's what I, that's what I emphasized Wednesday night. But this, this day is different. And look what it says. He confirmed the word with signs following. If you, if you preach or teach or try to be a father, a mother, a mentor, an elder, a leader for popularity or entertain people, you will have zero following in your wake. No signs, no wonders, no miracles in your wake. After you leave and the door's locked, they're just going to go, ah, well, that was, whatever. I don't know. I don't know. That was something. Number four, be fake or pretentious. Number three, preach to entertain or be popular, and you will help nobody. Now, no one thinks I'm saying today that we should get up and just browbeat people. You know that, right? I don't have to explain that. You know that. Brother Larry, what do you do... Um, what do you do if you have an animal, a horse, that just won't eat? Probably day one you, you think about it, but you don't worry about it. You may, maybe you stir it up in a bowl, or what do they eat out of a trough or whatever. So Maybe day two they still aren't eating. You're like, hmm, this isn't normal. What do you do, check their teeth for sores maybe? Or day three, day four, you're worried by now, aren't you? Time to call a vet, someone with more knowledge, knows where to look, where to probe, what to feel, what to poke, what to grab, what to touch. It ain't normal for them not to eat. Excuse me, what grammar? <laughs> Is not normal, not ain't. <clears throat> if, I was, if I was preaching in... I'm not kidding you when I said it. 
we've all, we used to sing the song, Ain't God Good to Give Us So Many Blessings, Undeserving. That's what we are. I preached in a church out of town in Alaska, but out of town. And I was so surprised uh, when they sang that chorus one night. They didn't say, Ain't, Isn't God Good Give Us So you got an English major running the soundboard or something, you know. <laughs> be fake or pretentious. Preach to be popular. Entertain people. Guaranteed. Zero results. Just go ahead and keep tickling your son's ears when he needs to be corrected. Go and keep telling your daughter how awesome she is when she needs to be directed. I like it over here. These guys are helping me today. They're all just staring at me over here. Like, Go ahead and tell your son it's okay when he throws a tantrum and throws things across the floor and refuses to pick his coat up. Go ahead and pet him. Go ahead and baby him. Oh, he'll grow out of it. You think so? At 15, he'll be in your face. When you tell I, I am preaching it. Thank you, brother. Come on. Mentor to be popular. And nothing will get done. Zero will get accomplished. Oh, it's going to get soupy in here right now. All right, the last two. It's going to get soupy. Number one, or number two. Number four, be fake or pretentious. Number three, excuse me. Number three, preach to entertain or be popular. Number two, preach one way here and live another way there. And you will accomplish nothing. Because it starts out small. Your wife knows it immediately. He's acting all, he's acting all holy up there. And you just chewed her out for burning the eggs. Called her everything under the sun. Oh, yeah, you spiritual, all right. Every, every, it's 24-7 at home. You're like, ha, 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 ha. Get up here and you're like, everybody be happy. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead. Live one way here and another way there. Your ministry, your manhood, your motherhood, your mentoring will accomplish zero. I'm wading in deep water today, man. Hey, Dad, best advice I could give you is be what you pretend you are in church everywhere. Whatever you act like behind that pulpit, be it at home, too. Well... Number two, be one thing here and another thing out there. I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands because we'd all, we'd raise both our hands, that we struggle with that. I know, I tell you guys, I tell you guys, if you've had a rotten day, a miserable week, a horrible month, don't get up in my pulpit and tell our church about it. Don't do that. Rise above it. I know, but that's not the same as being one thing here and living another thing there. This is iron sharpening iron. Number two, and it is absolutely surefire, 100% guaranteed, a way that will devalue, rob you of power and anointing and of effect, effect, is to be one thing here, nothing out there. Act one way in church as dad and another way at home as Justin. Act one way as Marshall at church and another way as dad at home. I, them boys will pick up on that real quick. Oh, no, I'm better. I, I can hide better than that. You're kidding yourself. You can't fake this. You can't fake being a man or a woman. You cannot. You either are or you aren't. Number two, I'm just trying to help somebody. Boy, it's getting warm up here today. Number two way to preach and accomplish nothing. See, they won't, they won't, won't let me preach this at camp meeting. 
Preach it one way here and live it different out there. That's a warning to us. Brother Colin, that's a warning to all of us today. That's why I like people that, and I'm not, I'm not talking about, when I say this, let me put this uh, disclaimer out there. I don't mean people who just want to cry on somebody's shoulder all the time. But that's why I like what I like about people who are real. They're just genuine. They don't, they don't say, well, I never have bad days. Maybe you're just better at hiding it than others, okay? Because we are in the flesh. That's, that's what Romans chapter 7, Brother Paul, is all about. There's a war going on in our members. The flesh against the spirit. I want to please God, but my flesh is so powerful. You put, what, where did you go for pizza last night? Evangelos? Put that in front of anybody, me right now especially. You'll see how weak the flesh is. And I won't apologize for getting sauce all over my face because when you're eating, just leave me alone, okay? Leave me alone. I'm eating, man. I'm eating. Help me stay focused. i got to stay focused here. You want to preach and accomplish nothing? Be something different. I, I know we can't always be on the top of our game, as they call it, but if you're one thing at work and another thing at home, I'm talking to you today. Unless you improve when you go home. All right. Number one. Number one. Do you want to hear number one? Four is be fake or pretentious, you'll accomplish nothing. Three, preach to entertain or be popular, spin in your wheels. Number two, preach one way here or lead one way at home and another way out there. It's called hypocrisy. The bottom line. Bottom line is if preaching doesn't lead to repentance, it's not accomplishing anything. If preaching does not lead to repentance, it's accomplishing nothing. That doesn't mean we have to have an altar call every time we have church. But I'm talking about seeds planted, hearts, hearts being turned over. Number one way, these are just me, okay? These are just my, my thoughts. Didn't get this out of a book. These are just my thoughts, okay? Number one way to preach and accomplish nothing or to Bible study teach and accomplish nothing or to be a dad and accomplish nothing, to be a mother and accomplish nothing, to be a leader, a supervisor, a mentor and accomplish nothing. How to preach and accomplish nothing, number one reason I've noticed in my own life in 30, you know, 30 years of preaching, almost 30 years of preaching, and it, it'll probably go over quietly, but I, I want to add a couple of thoughts to my comment. Number one, way, number one way to preach and accomplish nothing is never study, never pray, and never fast. I'm not talking about cramming the day of the sermon you're going to deliver. Never study, never pray, never fast, and you will accomplish zero. I don't know how that translates or trickles down to being a dad, but, but whatever it is, things you hear that trigger knowledge sources to make you a better dad. If you did this, you'll be a better mom. Things that you know are legitimate. If you don't study, pray, and fast... You know why? Because consecration brings the anointing. What I'm calling the consecration is, is the habit of being devoted daily. Study, pray, as routinely as you feel the tug of the, uh, of the Spirit, fast. If you don't do those things with a habit, you will never be anointed. There's no anointing where there's no consecration. night I feel something right now. If you don't study, don't pray, and don't fast, 
Those are consecrations. And the result of those is you'll be anointed. And that's when things occur that we see and we know and we hear and we experience because of the anointing that breaks the yoke. The anointing that breaks the yoke. And like I've said a hundred times, don't think you're anointed just because your wife tells you, good sermon tonight. She's supposed to say that. And if she doesn't, you like give her seven ways of grief, you know. What was wrong with Wednesday night? <laughs> oh, Lord, help me stay focused here. Anointed preaching comes through consecration, brothers and sisters. Being a legitimate dad or mom comes through consecration. If you blame dad all the time because you didn't get your job done, mom, that's not consecration. If you blame mom all the time, sir, because you didn't take time to be dad this week, that's not, that's not consecration. Hey, instead of them looking at you, would you guys look up here today? You see, preaching without anointing is just a speech. It's just a speech. And oh, the effects of turning the house lights down. And a little colored smoke over here. And just the right music at the right tone. And, and you localize and centralize and focus. It makes, makes that sinner or that saint, that visitor or that elder... Feel all right, comfortable. When God is saying, what about that attitude? What about that stinginess? What about that greed? Hmm? Anyone can feel the anointing, but the anointing is not just a feeling. Say it again. I've, I, know I've, I know I've lost some of you here. It's, it's lunchtime, all right? Give me some smoke. We, maybe we need some fog machines or something. Drop the strobe lights down, all right? Anybody can feel the anointing, but the anointing's not just a feeling. Yeah. It's like a fire that just, it's internally. You can't, you can't paraphrase, dictate, explain what it is, but you know, my word, something's going on inside of me today. And, and God forbid, it, it burdens my heart when church people, regular church people, it's a burden to sit through preaching there. And we accomplish nothing. The anointing of God's spirit is going forth. Preaching of the word is going forth. Consecration is, uh, is obvious. You can't fake it, brothers. Can't, you can't go home and all of a sudden tell your son, I'm going to be a better dad from now on. I made up my mind. I'm going to spend more time with you. Oh, we're going to get quiet here. Young lady, I'm going to spend more time with you. I'm going to be a better mom. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to work and wait. Work and wait. Extra work can wait. I know that. I'm going to take you to the park. I'm going to take you to the McDonald's. We're going to go out and get an ice cream once a week. And go ahead and keep telling them that. And never come through and never follow up. Oh, your heart means to do right. Your heart means it at the moment. But there's no anointing, no consecration. And we look back and go, where'd all those years go? Why do they think that way? Why are they rebelling against me? So I want to, I just want to close with four verses. I promise you I'm done. Uh, and I've said this to you brothers personally, but if you only study because it's your turn to speak Wednesday night, you're not getting it. I love this scripture. Such a play. I love 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show yourself 
a worthy preacher? An eloquent speaker? A powerful orator? Is that what Paul said? He said studying has to do with your relationship with God. So when people tell me, Brother Dave, I just can't get into that Bible stuff. I mean, it may be where you are today, yes, but it's part of their relationship. There's a void there. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Not me. Not Tommy. Approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word truth. Word truth. You know why people get involved in nonsense? That scripture tells us. You know why people fall for fog machines and and 15-minute sermonettes, and everybody leaves here feeling good. You know why? Because they're not rightly dividing the word of truth. They're not rightly dividing the word of truth. Study to show yourself to prove unto God. John 5, 39, he said, search the scriptures. Acts 17, 11, they did it every day of their life. Every day of their life. And finally, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, Sister Playoff, he said, preach the word. Preach it. Could I translate that to mom, dad, to uh, supervisor, to elder, to mentor, to Bible study teacher? Preach the word. You know what? If you're, t- if you're teaching your kids anything but the word, you're going to accomplish nothing. Oh, pastor says it this way, but this is how we do it at home. And guess what? Your kids will figure out that division instantaneously. And they'll, they'll distrust ministry, even honest ministry, all because we do our own thing. That ain't about right. That's exactly right. He said, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove. Instant in season, out of season. Hmm? If you're studying, you should n- rarely get to the place where, oh, I'm not ready. You asked me to preach tonight, I'm not ready. Not if you're studying. No, I'm, I work for a living, Pastor, and so does every other man out there. Out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. Look at that. I misread that. I'm sorry. He said, rub their backs, make them feel good about themselves, make sure you whisper sweet nothings in their ear, and let them leave here on cloud nine. I say that, let the music come fading in and bring the house lights to level six so that it gives me effect. Well, you deadbeat if you'd pray before you preach. If you'd let let the Lord anoint and consecrate your heart. I'm preaching to the choir, I know. I'm not. He didn't say any of that. He said, uh, when you preach the word, be ready anywhere, anytime. He said, Reprove. You know what that word reprove and rebuke, rebuke means? They're, they're the same word. They mean correct. Only reprove means correct gently. Gently. Now, some people don't need to be, you know, blah, 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 blah. They don't need to be scolded. They just need to be gently guided. You know, you're, you're thinking wrong here. But the next word rebuke, it means the same thing. It means correct only. It doesn't mean gently. You scallywag, you know you. That's what rebuke means. I didn't write the Bible. Exhort, teach with all long suffering. There, there comes our part in, brothers and sisters, moms and dads. Long suffering is just a fancy way of saying patient. Be patient. With all patience. Oh, patience. I have patience, you might think, with everybody but kids. Your kids know that too, right? Your kids know when when Johnny's neighbor comes over, you're like, hello, Johnny's neighbor. Have a great day. Have a cookie on your way out. Get out of my hair, kids. I am teaching. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I'm trying hard. All long-suffering and doctrine. Doctrine. Oh, I hate the word doctrine. Well, take your marker then and erase it out of your Bible. I'm joking. Forgive me, Lord. Don't do that. 
It just means tenets, creeds, teachings. You know why some of us aren't stronger than we are right now? We've neglected doctrine. I got to stop, man. I got to stop. We have neglected doctrine. If I live till Wednesday, and you do as well, we're going we're gonna to teach doctrine Wednesday night. All right? We're going to teach solid, fundamental doctrine. That's where we're going in the coming times. Doctrine. Okay? Well, let's, con let's, let's talk about everything we do behind the desk in the coming weeks. All right? How to preach and accomplish nothing. That's not what we want to do. It's not what we want to do, Brother Richard. We want to see lives change and people, people move closer to God. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are so good to me, Jesus. Bless your name. So good to me, Lord. Bless your name. How do we accomplish your purpose, your will, your plan, God? How do we see lives changed and lives altered? Directions rechanneled. How do we do it, Lord? <clears throat> it's not emotions we're looking for. It's not emotions we're asking God to stir up. Oh, hallelujah. Pray with me today, please, somebody. Ask God to give you legitimate ambition, desire to accomplish, to accomplish His will, His plan, His purpose. Help me, God.